Anyway, are y'all ready to jump into Proverbs? If you are, put some fire in the comments. Are you ready to jump in there? And I'm going to ask them, can you get me uh, my cup of water wherever it is? And uh, are you ready for the book of Proverbs? Amen. Um, Miss Lori says, prayers from North Miami Beach, Florida. Amen. Well, let's just pray for you right now. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, bless Miss Lori. Bless her. She might be saying that she's praying for us, or she might need prayer. Regardless, we're going we're gonna to pray that the will of God be done in your life, that, that his will overflows you and blesses you and multiplies, Miss Lori, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Father, for everything that you're pouring out. Favor be over her life in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at all the fire comments. It, it's all it's taking up the whole screen. That's awesome. Love you guys so much. Okay, let's jump into Proverbs chapter 3. If you haven't seen Proverbs 1 and 2, go back and watch that. And Proverbs 4 is coming. So you can look for that and find that and go on through the rest of the book of Proverbs. Today we are in Proverbs chapter 3. There's this book of wisdom, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Do not forget my teachings, but let your heart keep my commandments. Now I want you to see this. When we forget things, when we forget things, Generally, that means that we have not prioritized them. When, in other words, this has not been the priority. Other things have been the priority besides that. And so one of the things that he's saying here is prioritize the teaching of God in your life. Honor them. Esteem them. Prioritize his teachings in your life. And then one of the things I want you to see is this. You can, if somebody can put these in the comments... 2 Peter 1, 12 through 15, Philippians 3, 1, and 2 Peter 3, 1. I want you to see this. So let's go first. 2 Peter 1, 12 through 15. I've asked this question many times, and uh, I've asked this question to people, especially around here, is... How did you learn the alphabet? How did you learn the alphabet? How did you learn multiplication tables? And the answer is by repetition. And uh, we have a statement in our leadership training that says repetition is the motor of learning. Repetition is the motor of learning. I find that it's funny that in our culture, we to learn things, we repeat, 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 repeat them and then all of a sudden, when we graduate high school or we graduate college, all of a sudden we think we've grown beyond repetition. But if we're going to keep learning and keep growing, we must learn to continue in repetition. That's why we have the confessions every single day, so that the people that are confessing those will learn those words. It'll come out of them. It's in them. That's why we have those. That's why we will say every broadcast that for the rest of this year, this is our year of multiplied increase. What are we doing? We're repeating these things so that they will be a priority and be on the top uh, of our heart. They'll be on the top of our mind 
Because this is a word that God has said. What are we doing? We're not forgetting what he's spoken to us. It's a part of that. So 2 Peter 1, 12 through 15, and let's look at it. Therefore, he says, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you. I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by the way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent. In other words, he's getting ready to go to heaven and he knows it as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. Repetition is the motor of learning. Repetition is the motor of learning. And so you see that the Holy Spirit is saying through Peter, I'm going to remind you, and I'm going to remind you again, and I know that you know it, but I'm going to remind you again. I've watched it over the years when I've tried to bring teaching uh, to people. Uh, many times people have taken offense because I've told them something that they know as, as if I was telling them and not thinking that they knew. Well, first of all, first of all on that, why would we take offense if we're being reminded of the things of God? We shouldn't take offense at that. We should take that as a good reminder to keep it fresh on, on our heart. A lot of times I'm not believing that somebody has no knowledge of it. I'm reinforcing what is already there. So in order for us to not forget his teaching, we have to be okay with reminders and we have to be okay with repetition. That's not saying that we are less mature. That's actually saying that we are more mature because we understand the importance of reminders and repetition. If we're going to forget not God's teaching, it needs to be heard over and over and over and over again. Remember when he told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, he said, meditate on my word, meditate on my law day and night, and then you will make your way successful. So what was he telling them? Meditate on it. Remind yourself of it. Get repetitive over the word of God and let that come to pass in your life. That will bring success in your life. And so the second thing is, a lot of times, have you ever been, you know, if I'm bringing reminders and repetition to somebody, have you ever been in a situation where you thought you knew all there was to know about a subject and then all of a sudden somebody said it one more time and revelation and rhema came to you? Well, we are not beyond that. I have that all the time. I was talking about the other day in 2 Corinthians 9, uh, back in 2015 or 16, I believe it was, when I did an extended fast, on day two of that fast, the Lord opened up that set of verses in 2 Corinthians 9 from verse 6 to about verse 12. He opened it up and showed me stuff I'd never seen before. And so since that time, I have meditated on that particular set of verses. It has become alive to me. But I'm telling you now, that's been five or six years, and I'm telling you, just like two weeks ago, the Lord showed me something else in that verse that I'd not seen. I've read it hundreds of times. I've ministered from it uh, you know, 20 or 30 times, at least, at least, and yet I still see new things. So 
we have to not uh, fall away from repetition and reminding. Let's look here. Uh, continue. Go uh, to 2 Peter 3 and verse 1. Read that. He said, This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you, which I'm stirring up your s sincere mind by way of a reminder. This is biblical. This is God to remind us to be in repetition. <clears throat> he says that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken to the apostles. Let's go to Philippians 3.1. Philippians 3 and verse 1. He says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard to you. Say this with me. Put it in the comments. Repetition is the motor of learning. And when we give ourselves to remind ourselves of things, repeat those, the things of God, and keep those things, meditating on them, confessing them, confessing the things of God, meditating on them, remembering them, repeating them, that will fulfill this where we do not forget his teachings. All right, this, you know, why did I take so long on that? How important is this? You know, one of the things I've found is when I have messed up, one of the things that I've found is I've not kept his teaching on the forefront of my mind. If I can form a habit that will help me, a success habit, to help me remember the teachings of God and keep them on the forefront of my mind, that will help me to not forget his teaching, and it will let my heart keep the commandment. How many of us have wanted to keep the commandments of God, and we want to, but in the moment, we're not really thinking about God. The issue is we've forgotten his teachings. We have forgotten pieces of it. If we want to walk God-like and we want to walk in the blessing and the favor of God, we've got to keep, keep his teaching fresh in our mind. And that comes through repetition. It comes through meditating on that and confessing it. Verse 2. Verse 2. For length of days and years of life and peace they the teachings of God will add to you. Glory to God. For, for length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Verse 3, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Now, I want you to see this. Kindness and truth should be written in the very core of who we are. Kindness and truth. Kindness and truth. Kindness and truth. Now, think about this. In other words, if I'm, let, let me add a couple of things. First of all, I'll talk about kindness. Kindness should not be something that's far from us. I've been around ministers before where other people are like, yeah, they're pretty good in front of people, but man, they're, they're a pain to work for. They're a pain to work for, you know? Uh, that's many times goes to kindness. Have, if, if that testimony was in the mouths of most of the people around somebody, are they walking in kindness? Generally not. This, in other words, they have thrown this commandment away. We need to be kind. We need to have the testimony, not just in our head by our intentions, but we need to, to be the testimony of other people around us. They're kind. 
They're kind, you know. Kindness and truth should not leave us. Now, let's look at truth. Truth should not leave us. Now, this to me really speaks, and I think, I think to me it speaks more than uh, what most people see into it because I see, I have seen as a pastor over the years that many people believe that they are in truth, but the fact is they're not actually in truth. Uh, so many people believe that they're in truth when they're not. Um, this comes back to humility. M many times, if you want to be walking in truth and fulfilling the commandment that God says, don't let truth leave you, bind truth around your neck, write truth on the tablet of your heart, we have to be humble. In order to have truth, we have to be humble. The reason for that is, Without humility, deception lurks at our door, which means the opposite of truth. Uh, we want to keep truth exactly in the center of everything that we do. But in order to have truth, one, we need to know God's word because God's word is truth. Two, but have you ever seen somebody deceived on God's word? I've seen that. I've been that. I've been that person. Humility is the key to overcoming deception. Humility is the key to overcoming deception. It's the ultimate key because humility allows you to judge yourself property, properly. Without humility, you can think that you're in the truth when you're not. Uh, humility will take a situation where you're not in truth and lead you to the truth. You know, uh, it says in James 4 and in 1 Peter 5 that grace is given when we submit ourselves, when we humble ourselves to the Lord, and, and even says greater grace is given. In other words, there's a higher favor and power of God to release truth's manifestation into our lives when we humble ourselves, when we submit ourselves. I talked about it yesterday. I said, listen, Submission in the world might look like a bad thing and be looked at as wrong, but in the kingdom of God, sub submission and humility is a powerhouse, right? Humility is a powerhouse in the kingdom of God, and that's why the devil wants to fight it. So if we're going to keep and write truth on our heart, we have to be willing to let what we think we know be rewritten by the truth of God's word, okay? If we're going to have truth actually bound to our heart and keep it, then we're going to have to let humility rewrite what we think we know to the truth of God. So in verse 3 where it says, do not let kindness and truth leave you, I see that as something that really says we need to humble ourselves. We need to allow that to be rewritten. Now it says this, Verse 4, he says, basically, if you will not forget his teaching and you will let your, uh, you keep his commandments, you will keep uh, kindness and truth around you. Verse 4, so you will find favor and a good repute or a good report in the sight of God and man. You will find favor, not just in God's sight, but in God and man's sight. In other words, I'll have favor even in the world, even with people that don't believe. I'll have favor with God and I'll have favor with man if I will do those things. 
Do you see that you can turn around? You can turn around your whole life in an instant simply by keeping his commandments and teachings close and keeping kindness and truth. He just gave us an absolute promise that favor will drop in my life and I'll have long life and it'll drop in my life and have favor with God and man and have a good report simply by doing these things. So that means any believer right now, any believer can say, Lord, I'm going to take your teachings and I'm going to remember them. I'm going to keep them on my heart. I'm, I'm going to keep them close. I'm going to keep your truth and I'm going to keep kindness here and it's going to be awesome. And then we go into verse 5, one of a lot of people's favorites. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean to your own understanding. Our own understanding is worth nothing compared to the Lord's understanding and wisdom. Our understanding is worth nothing. In other words, see, we can bring wisdom. We can bring wisdom to the table from the world. We can bring logic. We can bring all of this. But how does that compare to what God can teach us, right? How does that compare to what the Lord has in his mind? How does that compare? It doesn't compare. He says, look, I want, you, I want you to see this. He doesn't just want you to agree with and accept the Lord's wisdom and understanding. It says, trust him with all of your heart. In other words, I don't just hear that name in that. I live by it. I don't just agree with the wisdom of God. I live by the wisdom of God, right? I'm putting it into practice. It is going into uh, my everyday actions, right? And I don't lean to my own understanding. I, I feel like we could talk about this first for the rest of this day. But I also want you to see this. This is one point I want to point out before we move to the next verse. It doesn't say trust the Lord with 95% of your heart. It doesn't say that. It says trust him with all of your heart. Now, I'm going to tell you, here is a key to an overflowing life and an overcoming life. Many people I've found in ministry, many people are not trusting God with all of their heart. They're trusting him with some of their heart, but not all of their heart. If you're trusting him with all of your heart, then he's in every area of your life. He's not just in some areas of your life. Nope, he's in every area of your life. And I think all of us have uh, fallen for not doing that at different times. But the key is that we're moving to that. We're, we're allowing the Lord to shine the light of his truth on areas where we don't trust him. So I found in fellowship many times we're not trusting him right? We're not trusting him in wisdom. We'll make a decision before we hear from him because, well, I've got to make a decision. I don't do that. I don't, if I don't have the wisdom of the Lord, I don't make a decision. Well, sometimes you just need to make one. Says who? Who said that? Who wrote that? God didn't tell me that. See, I, here, I trust my relationship with him so much that he will tell me if I need to make a decision or not right? He'll show me that. That's when your fellowship and your relationship gets so strong that you trust that more than you trust logic, the calendar turning, all of these things. I trust him in that. 
I trust to hear from him. I trust to have his leading. Why? Because I'm seeking to trust him with all of, our, of my heart. Verse 6, in all of your ways, acknowledge him. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. In other words, give him the acknowledgement in every decision. So see, sometimes the world will tell you, well, you know, God's given you a brain. You know, you just need to use it. No, this says right here, in all of your ways, acknowledge him. In other words, I'm not just going to operate by what the world's taught me or how I feel. I'm going to acknowledge him in every decision. Now, that doesn't mean, I'm not saying that I have to decide, you know, take a step. You know, Lord, do I take another step now? Okay, I'll take a step. Then do I take another step now? Oh, okay, I'll take another step. No, I'm acknowledging him because he told me to flow in this direction. But when I get to a decision point that's not the normal flow of what he's already told me to do, I'm acknowledging him. You know, this is not an everyday thing. This is not something you've given me an absolute directive on. You know, let's say that he told me, for example, let's say that he told me, when you go to shop for food, always go to this grocery store. Okay, well, I never have to think about that again because he's given me an instruction that I acknowledged him in, and he's given, and I'm trusting him. He's given me an instruction to go to that grocery store every time. Well, I'll keep going to that grocery store unless he changes it or he's telling me something else. In other words, as long as it doesn't break the norm and he's given me an instruction for the norm. See, a lot of people have set up norms, but it wasn't by God's instruction. And so they think it's weird when people are seeking the Lord on what they consider normal. But understand, God doesn't say the same norms to every person because we're all made differently. We have a different comp uh, uh, construction and composition. And so every what might be what God told you to do for the rest of your life, he might not say that to somebody else. So for you to take yours and try to apply it to somebody else, that's wrong for you to do. The Lord may be writing a different law in their heart and you know, he's never going to contradict himself, and he's never going to tell somebody to be in sin or do something contrary to this word. But he is going to tell us different norms for different things that we do. And so one of the things that you see is if God hadn't told you a norm and you come up to a decision point, I need to acknowledge him. Okay, I need to acknowledge him. If I get to a decision point and he's already told me the norm, I'm going to pre-plan to go on what he told. But listen, we always stay ready to receive direction, correction, and redirection. Okay, correction or direction, correction, and redirection, right? And so if I'm coming up to a decision I'm, I may know what I'm going to do by the norm, but I always have my, my ears open for a redirection of the Lord. Lord, are you telling me anything else? Generally, it's not there. But every now and then, in humility, staying in that place and keeping my ears open, many times I will be walking along, and normally I would go here, and the Lord says, I don't want you to do that this time. Oh, okay. And uh, all right. And then I'm, I'm paying attention to that. I'm, I'm, I'm making sure. But if he's not given me an absolute norm, then any decision point, I need to acknowledge him in that. I need to hear from him. 
He says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. So if he's given me a norm and I already know what the answer is, then I am acknowledging him by continuing in that norm. But if he hasn't given me a norm, if he hasn't given me an instruction on that that's supposed to carry on, then every decision point, I need to turn to him. Everyone, I need to turn to him. It says, he will make your path straight. When we acknowledge him in all of our ways, notice it's not acknowledging him in some of our ways, it's acknowledging him in all of our ways, and he will keep us right there on the straight path. Verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. I want you to see, if we start thinking we're wise in our own eyes, then we are turning towards evil in that way. We need to understand that. And Or if we start thinking we're wise in our own eyes and allowing pride to come in in that way, it is a move towards evil. It's moving in that general direction. Listen, we don't need to be wise. You know, one of the things that I've found, I was thinking about this yesterday. I wrote this down actually uh, in the middle of the broadcast yesterday. If you saw me grab my iPad and type in some notes, is... Many times, I I want you to see this because I think it applies here. Many times when we are first starting out, we may not want to admit this, but we are so dependent (laughs) on other people. We're so dependent on other people. Like if other people don't come through, we're in trouble. And uh, we don't know what we're doing. We don't, we're not, uh, we're We don't have the experience. We don't have the knowledge base to pull from, and we are so dependent on other people. And uh, that's not a bad thing. That is not a bad thing at all. Now, God's kingdom is a system of interdependency. In other words, you're not supposed to be completely independent all the time, and you're not supposed to be completely uh, independent. You know, you're not supposed to be dependent or independent. It's an interdependency. And you see that all throughout the word, even where, like in Galatians 3.8, where God said he preached the good news, the gospel, to Abraham, uh, saying, through you, all the people, all the nations will be blessed. In other words, the blessing of the Lord's not going to get to other people without coming through Abraham. And we see a principle there that the blessing of the Lord many, many, many times comes through other people. So I'm not going to be blessed without having other people's influence in my life. You can see it again in Ephesians 4 with the ascension gifts. Uh, 4.8, when he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men. Verse 11, he gave some as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Then he says, he goes on to say, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry. And then he goes on to say, to build you up to the fullness of the stature of Christ. Well, when God wrote those scriptures, he, he established a truth. He established a truth. I'm not going to receive the equipping without the ascension gifts in my life. In other words, what I'm saying is it's an interdependency. Yes, I'm going to go after the Lord on my own, but if I go after the Lord on my own as an island, as a silo by myself, and I never have anybody else's impartation, I'm not going to reach my destiny. I'm not, I need to be dependent and interdependent on the Lord. So God's kingdom system is an interdependency. But I want you to see this. So many times when we first start out, uh, we're not just interdependent. We are like totally dependent on somebody else. Uh, Think about that even with finances, you know. Uh, Think about it as a baby. A baby is totally 
dependent on the parents. If those parents don't take care of that baby, that baby is going to die. The same thing with a uh, very young believer. Uh, if that young believer doesn't have help, they are going to dry up on the vine. Now, uh, the thing about a young believer is they can be a baby in the Lord, but they're a grown-up in age, and they think that they, they're independent, and they can actually walk away from the very help that will help keep them alive. This is dangerous. But one of the things that you'll see, one of the things that you'll see is as you grow, as we grow, we stop having the absolute dependency need in our lives. We grow in our skill. We grow in our resources. We grow, watch this, in our wisdom. We grow in understanding. And literally, we get to the place where we are tempted to be independent. There's, we don't need, we're not dependent. We don't need the help of others as much as we used to. Now we literally in many areas could stand independently. And maturity in the kingdom and maturity in the Lord is based on this. How much of your independence do you lay down at the altar for the places where God tells you to be interdependent? This is a maturity standard. And what I've, what I've said, uh, this goes hand in hand with the teaching that I've said, that it says sometimes it's easier when you're at the bottom because what else are you going to do besides trust God? But when all of a sudden you have resources and supplies and you don't need to trust God for those same things, you could pay for that. I've had multiple times where I had money in the bank account to do something and I sought the Lord. I acknowledged God in those ways, in my ways. And he said, don't spend the money on that. And then all of a sudden, a week or two later, now I've grown to the place of independence in some of my financial areas. But because I acknowledge God and I'm interdependent, I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he says, don't buy that. Don't spend that money. And then a little while later, somebody comes along and says, hey, the Lord, put it on my heart to get this for you. I'm like, what? Are you kidding? That's awesome. They don't know what the Lord said to me. They don't know those things. But that was the Lord saying, I was, I'm going to open up an opportunity to do this. So real maturity is knowing when to be dependent and when to be independent. It's knowing the, the balance of interdependence when we can be independent. Okay. So one of the things I want you to see here is verse 7. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't be wise in your own eyes. You may have gained some wisdom from the Lord, but how much more is there out there? In other words, if you think that you've arrived at God's wisdom, you're setting yourself up for failure because you're, you, as soon as we feel like we have arrived and we are not dependent on God, we immediately cap ourselves. That I'll, I don't need to be dependent anymore. You know, I've heard stories about ministers that take this Bible and say, we don't need this Bible anymore. It's an archaic book. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know that person is about to have a major fall if they don't repent and change their thinking right away. They have no idea what they just said. And what's happened is they have become wise in their own eyes and they are right at the door of evil. They are at the door of evil. They're at the door of traps and they will fall 
with that. It won't be long. You'll see it. I've had multiple people over the years that have said, said to me, you know, by faith, I'm believing God. I can't miss it. And I can't miss it anymore by faith. And they thought they were being making a faith statement. They didn't realize that real truth already says that that's not true. You always have a potential uh, for sin as long as you have this flesh. That doesn't mean you fulfilled that potential. It doesn't mean that you'll be misled. But what it means is you've got to recognize that potential. And the moment that you say, I don't have this potential, you are already failing. And that's in 1 John chapter 1 in uh, the last three verses. And so one of the things that you see is as long as I have this corrupted flesh, I have a potential. That doesn't mean I'm going to move by that potential. doesn't mean that I'm going to yield to that potential at all. But that potential is in that corrupted flesh. It's in that sinful flesh, and until I get a glorified body, it's there. And so I have to deal with it. I can deal with it well. I can deal with it right. But the moment that I think this is never going to affect me again and, and it doesn't have the potential to, I'm already deceived in that way. And that goes back to this verse. Do not be wise in your own eyes. So um, if we're going to see that, we can get to the place where we think, our wisdom that we've gained from the Lord now gives me the ability to stand independently. And, and many times, independently from anything else, God may say, I'm so sure and I'm so secure on this wisdom and this framework that God has given me, there's nothing in it that's wrong. Ooh, that's, that's, that's messed up. <laughs> that's messed up. And you are on the verge of some major trouble if that's what you think. And that's what this reminds me of. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. In other words, esteem the Lord with the greatest esteem and reverence and turn away from evil. Verse 8, it will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. When we turn to him, it will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Do you know I've seen over the years, I cannot... It is countless times, it seems like. It seems like it is countless times I have heard somebody tell me that the Lord told them to do something and it was completely contrary to his word, but they were convinced they had heard from the Lord. I mean, they were convinced they had heard from the Lord and it wasn't the Lord at all. It was contradictory to their word. And I tried to tell them this is what the word says and they wouldn't listen. No, I've heard from the Lord. You can't take it away from me. Well, in that moment, I got to throw my hands up and let you go do because you're telling me the Lord told you. And the further I push, uh, the, you know, the less influence I have uh, with you. And the further I push, actually, the more, you, because people, that, that statement's already in pride. And the truth is, the further I push, the further it'll drive you deeper into that. So I have to, I have to let you go. I have to let you do it. And uh, so what will happen is, as we listen to the Lord, we'll step into the places of healing. We'll step into the places of refreshment. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, I just sense that right now. Thank you, Lord. Lord, bring refreshment to our bodies right now. Yeah, bring refreshment to our minds and our souls. Lord, bring that refreshing to people right now. Just say this with me. Say, Lord, I yield to your wisdom. <laughs> I yield to your wisdom. I'm not wise in my own eyes. I acknowledge you in all my ways. I trust you with all my heart. 
I'm not forgetting your teaching, and I'm not leaving kindness and truth, but I'm keeping these things as a priority in my life. Now, Lord, I ask you, according to your word, bring refreshing to my body. Bring refreshing to my mind. Bring a refreshing to my spirit now in Jesus' name. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you for that anointing. I just received that. I receive it personally myself. Thank you, Lord. Bring a refreshing to our fellowship now. Just say it with me. Say, Lord, I believe that I have received a refreshing straight from heaven by your Holy Spirit in every area of life right now. I have it now. Amen. Glory to God. Verse 9. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. Now, it's interesting. We shouldn't speak in absolutes all the time. We shouldn't speak in absolutes. But man, does the Lord do it. <laughs> he does it. Look at this. Uh, just going through these first nine verses, you know, let's... Uh, Let's see, trust in the Lord with all your heart, in all your ways. You know, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. <laughs> Three times in these last four verses, and he's saying, do it all. In other words, now think about this, in these areas, it's not 95%, it's not 99% he's asking for or command, he's not really asking, he's commanding. It is 100%, 100%. He says, honor the Lord from your wealth or from your prosperity. As you prosper, you should give the Lord that. I know for Nicole and I, uh, and, and honor means weighty. If you track it through the Bible, honor means weighty. And what that means is heavy. Uh, and I have this for another reason, but it fits right here. So this is a, a gold bar of plastic, but it looks like a gold bar. It, it's a gold bar, but imagine if this is real gold. If you have not had that in your hand before, it is super heavy. It is honorable. It's, that's why gold is honored, and that's why gold is considered a standard of wealth because it was originally very heavy. And so because it was heavy and shiny, it became a, a symbol of our trade, and it became heavy. So when you track it through the Bible, when you track it through the Bible, one of the things that you're going to see is that honor means weighty. It means heavy. And literally, when it says, honor your parents, when it says, honor those uh, that teach you, Honor you, know, honor those that are above you. It's literally saying, bring weight into their lives. Bring weight into their lives. Um, it's not, in other words, their words to me will be weighty. In other words, if somebody that the Lord has placed me with says something, it's weighty to me. Now, praise God, uh, I had a dad that that taught me this principle. And I didn't know how it related to the Bible when I was little, but I learned he would always say, if I talk, you better stop what you're doing and listen to me. If your mom talks, you better stop what you're doing and listen to her. What was he teaching us to do? He was teaching us that when our uh, authority figure speaks, you listen. You know, 
Uh, I sit at tables and in meetings and all the time, and I watch as the senior person in the room starts talking. And they and generally, if you have a senior person that's operating in the love of God and they start talking, they're generally not talking about football. You know, they're not talking about worldly stuff. They're talking of if they have love in their heart and they have a room full of people, what are they wanting to do? What are they wanting to do? They're wanting to add value to that person. They're wanting to give to these people while they have the opportunity. This is what they are. So I'll see, I've been in rooms like where Brother Tracy's uh, been speaking, and everybody's talking about football or whatever else they want to talk about, and he starts talking. I don't care what he's talking about. I don't want to listen to any other conversation that moment. I want to hear what that senior person in the room is speaking. What is it that God, and maybe God's not telling them to say anything right at that moment. doesn't matter. Do I consider their words weighty and worth honor or not? And so if I have, and, I'll, and you'll watch it, people that understand honor, they will do that. And if somebody of honor, somebody that should be esteemed starts speaking, People that carry honor will shut up. They'll stop in the middle of what they're saying and doing, and they'll stop and they'll listen what's being said. You know, I'll, I'll watch people do it. I've, I've sat at tables with ministers before, all of them, all pastors, and the man of God starts speaking, and the, the senior person starts telling a story, and they keep telling their stories. I'm like, and I'm like, and I've told them before, I'm like, I'm listening to what he's saying. I'm listening to what she's saying. Like, I, we can pick this back up later. You know, what are you doing? You're saying the, the, everything that they do is weighty. It carries a value that's va more valuable to me than this light conversation, than this light thing. So, you know, I learned that from an early age. If my dad or mom or an authority figure in my life starts speaking, you shut up and listen. You know, you listen to every word and you make sure that you are esteeming it uh, because I, I, well, I can't tell you how many times where I've had a word from the Lord and it doesn't sound spectacular. It sounds very normal, but it was from the Lord. And, and all of a sudden, somebody listened and they were in the right place at the right time, and man, the blessing of God poured out. I've seen it time and time again, and then I've seen many times where there was a word from the Lord. The Lord was putting something on my heart. I, maybe I understood it. Maybe I didn't, but I said, I don't know if I would do that. They go do something, and it, sound, it doesn't sound supernatural. It doesn't sound spectacular, but it was. It was wisdom from heaven. They didn't listen. They didn't honor it. They didn't give it weight in their lives. All of a sudden, they go, and they do something, and, and they, they fulfill something, and it blows up in their face, and it's a big problem. And, and I remember, and, and the Holy Spirit will draw it to your attention. You remember when I said, I don't think I would do that? That was from the Lord. You know, I'm not going to mark everything I say as, thus saith the Lord. You know, a, a person who is... Uh, in an honorable position, does not do that. <laughs> they don't say, thus says the Lord, and stamp everything with God said. They let their yes be yes and their no be no. They're mature, right? They, and if, they, if the Lord tells them to say God said it, then they'll say it. But that doesn't happen all the time. So when it says, honor the Lord from your wealth, he's not just saying, 
Uh, he's saying, honor the Lord from the wealth of your time. Honor the Lord from the wealth of your mind. In other words, can I esteem what he's saying more? Honor the Lord from any wealth of resource that I have. And that means I'm going to make what he is, I'm going to take what he does, and I'm going to add weight to it within my own self. But it also means this. In this, in this case, it physically means I'm going to add weight to the Lord. I'm, I'm not just going to go into church in the offering and see what's the least I can do. Lord, what can I do? Many, many days in my offering, I'll say, you know, the Lord's given me like a standard offering that I'll give every single time as a minimum. Many times I'll say, Lord, can I do more? Can I do more? In other words, can I add more weight to my honoring of you? You know, can I add more weight to you? And uh, this is something we need to watch and be mindful. The Lord honors that. He says in uh, Second, what is it? Second uh, Samuel, Second Samuel two thirty. I was wanting to say Chronicles. Second Samuel two thirty. He says, the, "Those that honor me, I will honor, and those that despise me will be lightly esteemed." And I always say in the regarding that verse. It is not a fair trade. <laughs> it is not a fair trade. So there's only so much honor I can give out of the life that I have now. I'll give as much as I can, but God's honor is unlimited. And when he gives honor back to us, it is not a fair trade. We are on, we are on the better side of that equation, I promise you. So honor the Lord. But watch this. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So as soon as I have a produce in my hand, a harvest in my hand, I should my first thought should be, oh, Lord, thank you for giving this to me. How can I honor you out of this? How can I honor you? From the first of some of your produce? No, all of your produce. And then he says this. He gives a promise. If we'll do this, he gives us a promise in verse 10. So your barns will be filled filled. Your, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. In other words, it's a constant new multiplication. This is our year of multiplied increase. It's a constant new multiplied increase in your barns. You're filled with plenty, 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 and your vats will overflow with new wine. Amen. Verse 11, my son do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. Verse 12, for whom the Lord loves, he reproves or he chastises and he corrects. This word reprove means he chastises them and he corrects them. Now, one thing that's very interesting is in James, it says uh, that if we lack wisdom, let us ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproof. So that's one area where we can, we can go to the Lord and say, Lord, I need your wisdom here. He's not going to chastise us for asking for wisdom. He's going to give us that wisdom. Now, he may add some extra wisdom. Okay, maybe ask this way. So one time I asked the Lord a question. It wasn't exactly what I needed to be asking. And the Lord was so gentle with me. He didn't reprove me. He didn't chastise me over this. But he did give me some extra, right? And, and he, said, he said, that's not a bad way to ask that but let me show you a different way to ask it. In other words, let me show you how to ask the right question. 
And, uh, but he, why would he do that? Why would he chastise us and correct us when, when we're doing wrong? It says, for whom the Lord loves, he reproves. And I wrote down, love carries chastisement and correction. It says, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. Parents, if you don't chastise and correct your kids, you don't delight in them. Because he says right here in Proverbs 3 that a father that delights in his children will correct them. A father that delights in his children will correct them. He doesn't just let them keep going on and on and on and on. He corrects them. And the Lord loves who he reproves. If he's correcting us, that's his love helping us get out of the place of lack and get into the place of blessing. And the more we give ourselves to his correction, the more the place of the blessing we will be in. Amen. Are you, put it in the comments, are you going to walk in more and more places of God's blessing because you're listening to his correction? Verse 13, how blessed is the man who finds wisdom? And how blessed is the man who gains understanding. For her profit is better than the profit of silver, and her gain is better than fine gold. Wisdom and understanding, she is more precious, verse 15, than, than jewels. And watch this. What a promise. Oh, my goodness. It, this almost leaves me speechless. It says, and nothing you desire compares with what wisdom and understanding can get you. Nothing you desire compares with her. What? Now, I, want you, I want you to think about this. Now, this, this thing right here is made of plastic, and, and it's a you know, gold bar made of, made of plastic, and I bought it specifically knowing that we would get to Proverbs chapter 3. I bought it months ago for when we got here. And I want you to see something. Let's say that this was real gold. One ounce of gold, uh, let's say this says uh, net weight 1,000 grams. Uh, do a quick, how much is 1,000 grams of gold worth? 1,000 grams of gold. Let's, let's just see what this would be worth. So that's just stamped in here in the plastic. But let's just pretend uh, for the sake of this demonstration. So 1,000 grams of gold. Anybody want to guess, like, we can bring the uh, Lunch Plus games in, into here. What do you think? What do you think 1,000 grams of gold would be? Put it in the comments real quick. Uh, Luke, what do you say? One to two million bucks. Yeah, what is it? Right. You can tell. Okay, all right. So what do you think 1,000 grams of gold would be? Put it in the comments. All right, so now think about this. If I had this sitting right here, and it was 1,000 grams of gold, actually, that, that doesn't seem right to me. I think this would be more weighty than 1,000 grams, but maybe it is. Uh, we'll see. And uh, we'll figure it out specifically later. Kevin says 100 million. All right. Now think about this. All right. They're going to, I know the answers are going to keep rolling in here in just a second. So here, I want you to pretend for something. Let's say you walked into church this Sunday. Huh? Okay, all right. Let's say that you walked into church this Sunday and, and I put 
this in your hands, right? Let's say you walked into church this Sunday and I put this in your hands. How many people would be having a good day? How many people? Put your hands up in the comments. That would be a good day. <laughs> he said he said 1,000 grams was worth 58,800. If I put this in your hand, if I put this in your hand on Sunday morning and it was real gold and it was worth $58,000, how many people just had the best day of church you've ever had? <laughs> how many people? Do you think so? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah, Greg said 1,000 grams, 2.2 pounds. I would think that bar would weigh many times more than that. I agree, Greg. Uh, like, it's it's almost a, probably a pound, pound and a half just in plastic, so the gold would be heavier. We'll figure out what this would be worth. I'll, I'll figure it out uh, just so I can use it as a, I think they just stamped something on here to make it look official. But anyway, as a prop, I want you to see this. Watch this again. If I put this and drop this in your hands, on Sunday morning, and it was worth, let's say, $60,000, right? You would have a good day. Many people would think, oh, my goodness, that is blessed. My life has changed. Let's go back to Proverbs. It says, for wisdom and understanding, her profit is better than the profit of silver, and her gain is better than fine gold. goes on. Wisdom and understanding, she is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. In other words, the wisdom and understanding of God is more weighty and more valuable than gold will ever be. Do you know why that is? Why? In other words, watch this. If I drop one nugget of wisdom and revelation from God on a Sunday morning, it is more valuable than this. See, the issue is we've not, we've not thought it to be so. We've thought, hey, this is just wisdom, and we have lightly esteemed or made the wisdom of God not weighty. We haven't honored it. We haven't seen it for what it is. That's why we're studying this today is because we're going to see what it does. I'm telling you, the wisdom of God will get you all of that that you need. The wisdom of God will get you all the gold. What he says is, anything you desire, any jewel, any silver, any gold, wisdom of God and understanding is more valuable. Why? Because the wisdom of God will get you all of that. It will get you all of that, even anything that you desire in that way that's godly. It will get you all of that, the wisdom of God. Now, here's the question. Have we underesteemed the wisdom of God and the revelation of God? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, we'll, you'll have people, and if that's the case, think about this. What should any broadcast on that is true, godly, biblical preaching, what should any broadcast look like? It should, if we actually esteemed it, it would be filled with people that were yearning for the wisdom nuggets that God brings out through an anointing, right? We would be, those broadcasts should be filled. But the issue is we can overlook them easily. You know why? Because to us, they are not weighty. They're not weighty, right? 
In other words, this wisdom of God, many times what we'll do is we'll hear the Lord say, why, you need to stop doing this. You need to stop, you know, stop doing it this way, do it this way. And we just think he's corrected, he's corrected our discipline, he's corrected our actions. That's not what he's done. He shared with you a wisdom that unlocks the wealth and the riches of the world. We shouldn't do it just simply because it's a corrective discipline. We should do it with an expectation. You just unlock desires of my heart. This is more than you just changing a little bit of my disciplined action. Lord, what you just told me, you know, let's say that the Lord says, okay, I'll give you something that he's speaking to me right now. Right now, one of the things he's speaking to me to do, this is for me personally to do, is he's telling me when I go to bed, focus on him and him only. And when I wake up, focus on him and him only. Do not grab the phone. Don't grab the iPad and look at all the messages, right? And and that may be, for me, I know what that means, is if you don't hear from me in the morning time until lunch plus, You'll know what I'm doing. I'm spending time with the Lord. I might not answer my messages till late in the morning because I'm going to go into fellowship with God and I'm not coming out until he tells me to. So that's what he's telling me to do right now. Now, is he just instructing me and giving me discipline only? No, because his wisdom and his understanding Understanding is more valuable than jewels, gold, and silver, and anything that I can desire, he just gave me gold, silver, jewels, and all the desires of my heart. If I will make what he's writing on my heart as weighty as that and honor it as that, I can have it. But if I just look at it as, well, the Lord doesn't, he just doesn't want me enjoying you know, my phone for a few hours, I'm not paying attention to that. Then I just cut off my supply of the things, the favor he's trying to bring in my life. It's more than just an instruction. It's more than just a correction. It is a connector to the favor of God. For her, wisdom and understanding, her profit is better than the profit of silvers, than the profit of silver, better than the profit of fine gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you compare compares with her. I want you to put this in the comments. Wisdom and understanding, you can put, you know, the greater than sign. Wisdom and understanding is greater than silver, gold, jewels, and any desire. (laughs) The wisdom and understanding of God is greater than silver, gold, jewels, or any desire. Glory to God. Verse 16, long life is in her hand. Long life is in her hand. In her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. In her right hand is long life. In wisdoms, I'll do it this way since that's on your on your right. In her right hand is long life and in her left hand is riches and honor. 17, uh, wisdom and understanding. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. That means there there will be a constant, endless supply of nutrition and supplements into your life when we will take the wisdom and the honor of God. And happy are all who hold her fast. Now we have several verses that kind of repeat these things. 
So I'm going to go quickly, but hear them for what they say. It says, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. Think about that. The whole earth was founded on the wisdom of God. What kind of wisdom can he give to you to start a company, to gain wealth, to walk in health? What kind of wisdom does he have? The the earth was founded by our wisdom. By understanding, he established the heavens. The heavens were established by his understanding. By his knowledge, the deeps were broken up and the skies drip with dew. My son, my child, don't let them, let them not vanish from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and discretion so they will be life to your soul and an adornment to your neck. In other, again, he's telling us, don't let them escape you. See them for what they are. Honor them. He said, listen, you will wear them like jewelry. You know, you see people today, you know, on different social media and everything, they're wearing like all this stuff that supposedly makes them valuable. They're wearing gold and diamonds. They'll wear them and they'll show off how successful they are. Listen, wisdom will show you. Wisdom will be an adornment for you. You will, you will wear that wisdom. It will put things on your fingers, around your neck. The wisdom of God will put you in places of high honor. There'll be an adornment to you. And when people say, how did you get that? You'll say, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. They will walk. Then you will walk in your way securely and your foot will not stumble. See, if we'll listen to the wisdom of God, we won't trip. We won't fall. This is a promise from God. It's an absolute promise from God. If you'll do this, you won't stumble. You won't fall. Verse 24, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. (laughs) Sweet. What a promise. How many people have had problems with that in the past? But when we apply the wisdom of God, and watch this, what is the wisdom of God? but honoring what he says, honoring his ways. The wisdom of God is honoring his ways. The wisdom of God is honoring. So you watch it a lot of times when people have problems and they're tripping and they're following and they they have issues and they don't have peace. You look at it, there's something in their life that they've not honored God's ways in, right? Do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Now, a lot of people, they just go to the place where it's like, okay, somebody needs a meal and I got the ability to buy their meal and so I should do that. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. So not good is not due to everybody, right? And good is not always giving everything, right? You can see that in 1 Corinthians 13, 3, even though I give all my possessions to the poor, but have not love. In other words, it wasn't good. It wasn't in love. So good is directed at the leading of God. But when God says to do it and you have the power, he says, don't withhold that. But think about this. Do not withhold good from those whom it's due. This goes back to honor as well. For those who need to be honored, don't withhold honor. That honor is good. Verse 28, 
Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back and tomorrow I will give it. You know, don't, don't say to your neighbor that. Don't say, if, you, if the Lord has put it on your heart and you know you need to do it, don't put it off. Get it done. Give to that. Don't say, don't say this either. Well, I'll, I'll honor my pastor and I'll honor these people in front of me when I get it. No, if you won't honor them now, you won't honor them then either. Jesus said that very specifically. Don't withhold. So this goes into every area. Think about this too. Don't, don't withhold good tithes and offerings from the ministry of the Lord, right? This is something that, that people, they're like, well, when I get, get to this, then I'll do that. No, it says you won't. Because if you won't do it in the small thing, you won't do it in the great. So how many of these good things are we withholding when we could actually do them? All right. Then it says, when it says, verse 29, do not devise harm against your neighbor. Now, I used it in terms of finance. Let me, before we get into verse 29, I used 27, 28, and I gave the example of finances. But that also means, and that very much equally means, don't withhold forgiveness when it's within your power. <laughs> Don't withhold uh, kindness and gentleness when you should. Don't withhold wisdom from who you should, right? There's, in other words, there's a lot of areas where we need to not withhold these things. It's not just financial. 29, do not devise harm against your neighbor while he lives securely beside you. Don't, don't devise harm. Don't devise evil. How can I get these things? How can I take these things? Verse 30, do not contend with a man without cause. Do not, if he has done you no harm, don't just pick a fight because you can. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. Now watch, a lot of times people get things because they run over other people. A lot of people that are celebrated in society, I mean, they ran over people to get that. I, I've even heard it of ministers where how did that church grow? That church grew from stealing the members of other churches. You know, Don't be that. Don't have that testimony. What are you doing? You're, you're causing harm to other people. I've watched... I've, matter of fact, let me let me give you an idea of this. I have this is important. I have had moments in the history of Boomerang where we had the ability to have services at times that would allow members of other churches to come because they weren't normally having services in. And I've said and made the decision sometimes publicly, sometimes not. I'm not going to have a service then. Because I don't want them to come. If they're supposed to be at Boomerang, that's something between them and God and their pastor. But I'm not going to make it easy so that they can see a grass greener at our church. In other words, I would not have those services. And this is what, it, this is what it's saying. A lot of times, uh, people will be violent against others and take those things, and they just call it good business. They just call it wisdom. It's the wisdom of hell. It's the wisdom of the world. It's not the wisdom of God. You know, make it hard. Uh, make it hard to do evil. You know, the word tells us flee from youthful lust. Flee from those evil things. All right? Do not choose any of his ways. Do things because they're the right things to do. For the devious are an abomination to the Lord. See, I've seen ministers do this, and I've had those same temptations. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll have a service, I'll have a service on, on 
Saturday, and I'll, or I'll have a service on, uh, let's say, Tuesday night because everybody else has it on Wednesday night, and that'll allow people from other churches to come in and uh, see our ministry so that maybe they'll like us more and they'll start coming to our ministry. That's evil. And the Lord says that's an abomination. You shouldn't do those things. You know, uh, We don't do stuff like that. We just had a service. I think it's first service we've had on Saturday in a long, long time because of the snow last week. And yeah, we put it out there. If there were people that wanted to come, it's fine. I, before I did it, I'm going to tell you this. Did I check my heart to make sure that I was not that I was not doing it uh, for an evil way. You better believe I did. I, I absolutely did. Like I don't want to just have this service just to try and snare people from other ministries. I make sure my heart is pure in those motivations. The reason I did that one is because last week I was sitting here praying about what to do with the weather, seeing it come up, and the Lord spoke to me and told me to do it. You always do things because of the wisdom of God and the Word of God not because of, of planning and scheming alone, right? And, and hear this, for the devious are an abomination to the Lord, but he is intimate with the upright. The Lord is intimate with the upright. What value is it for us to have intimate fellowship with God? What is the value of God being with us? Emmanuel in manifestation, he says, if you'll walk uprightly, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. The Lord is intimate with the upright. The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Say, put this in the comments. I will walk righteously and I will be blessed. I will walk righteously and I will be blessed. Verse 34, though he scoffs at the scoffers, yet he gives grace to the afflicted. In other words, he scoffs at the ones that have no honor, but the ones who are afflicted by their scoffing, he will bless them. The wise will inherit honor, but fools display dishonor. Amen. We will be blessed because we will honor his truth, his kindness, his wisdom, his understanding. We're going to keep those things on our heart. We're going to esteem them and keep them as a priority in our life. We're going to walk uprightly because of it, and we're going to be blessed. Amen. Did you enjoy Proverbs chapter 3? Uh, we'll do Proverbs chapter 4. Look for that. If you hadn't watched Proverbs chapter 1 and 2, uh, go back and watch those. We're going to go through every chapter of Proverbs verse by verse and take a look at it because we are after the wisdom of God. We're going to do exactly what he said. We're going to seek his wisdom. It's more valuable than silver, gold, jewels, and any desire. We want the wisdom of God in our lives. Do you want this wisdom in your life as well? Praise God. Father, right now, let your wisdom be poured out. Lord, bring that wisdom into manifestation. Bring your power and your glory into the lives of people. Lord, honor your people that honor you. In Jesus' name, we thank you, and we praise you, and we worship you. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. If you would like to give today, and I want, I want you to hang on. If you, if you uh, can, hang on till after the offering. I want to ask you something. But uh, if you would like to give today, um, you are welcome to do it. Go to givew.org. You do not have to. It is not mandatory. We don't do that. We sow this broadcast into the world. 
If you would like to partner with us to get this good news out there and help people come to a saving knowledge of, of Christ every single weekday, then you can partner with us, but not just the broadcast. We go around the world preaching the gospel. Uh, even, even this weekend, I'm going to teach uh, at a church, a, a, a pastor and their whole congregation, looking forward to it so much. And uh, on Saturday, I'll be teaching leadership if you're on the East Coast of North Carolina or East Coast of Virginia or South Carolina and you'd like to come, just send us a note. Go to whatsright.com, send us a note. We'll get in touch with you, show you where it is. But uh, that's happening. You understand that your giving is helping right now a whole other congregation rise up to new levels uh, through the ministry of Boomerang Church and What's Right and this Lunch Plus broadcast. That's what you're doing. You're seeing souls come to the kingdom and win. There will be souls won this weekend. And uh, there will be leaders trained. There will be levels that grow higher because of your partnering with us in prayers and finances, resource, and time. And we just praise God for you. If you'd like to give, go to giveww.org, Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, text to give, cryptocurrency, give one time or give on a regular basis. You can do all of that there. I just want to pray today for anybody who might be sowing on a regular basis or sowing specially today. Father, right now, let every seed, let every gift be seed, planted, grown, multiplied to a harvest, supernatural, supernatural harvest, supernaturally quick, and supernatural exponential multiplication. This is our year of multiplied increase. Bring it to pass Quickly, Lord, in Jesus' name. Yeah, I see that again, Lord. I saw it the other day. I see it again. Father, the things that the people of Boomerang Church and What's Right and Lunch Plus, the ones that are connected, giving, and partnering, the ones that are receiving, Lord, what they have their hands on and they have their fingers too, Lord, Give supernatural favor. I'm talking supernatural favor that rises up out of the ground in a harvest right now, not at the end of the year, right now in Jesus' name. Do you receive that? Do you receive it? Say, Lord, I receive supernatural favor on my things right now. Lord, there can be many people standing in a row, and there can be many people of the world but all of a sudden, the things that the people of God have their hands to will start to rise and be noticed by others in Jesus' name. I see them like bars on a graph. Like not every bar rises because you don't have your hands on it. But the ones you have your hands on, I see them like bars of a graph rising now. Receive that as your word in Jesus' name. It's the wisdom of God bring us a word to bring to pass Thank you, Father, for that. We praise you, we worship you, and we give you glory. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. I ask you to stay. I'm going to ask them uh, to put up, uh, if you would, we praise God and hope that you've gotten a lot out of this. And uh, But one of the things that uh, before they uh, go off the broadcast, and they're going to uh, sign us out here in just a second, before they do that, I want to put this up again. Uh, this is the link to Pastor Chris DiCiaccio's, uh YouTube channel. Go there if you feel led to do it. Go there, like it, and subscribe to it, and uh, share it. If you would, do that. Take, take his link, share it across there, and share it. Say this, and you can just tell people, this is a great man of God, and uh, please go like and subscribe 
to his broadcast today, and uh, he gives out a word, like a five-minute word, twice a week, and it is awesome. He has so much wisdom about the word, you'll be blessed by his ministry and uh, go subscribe today if you haven't done it already. But also, everybody, take that link and share it if you would. And y'all, please make sure, share it on ours, across ours, uh, for everybody to like it and subscribe to subscribe to it. Go and subscribe today. And uh, we praise God for you. We love you. And uh, have a great day. L look for us tomorrow at 1130. And look for the rest of Proverbs coming soon. And here's these guys. Guy. Guys, thank you so much for joining us today. That's been, this has been a good word. Make sure you sh spread this word, but actually make sure you spread uh, and share the link to Pastor Chris's uh, YouTube channel. We really, uh, those are powerful words, and you will not regret it for sure. Pastor Chris DeChaccio is an awesome man of God. And, uh, but guys, we love you. Thank you for joining us today. We want to let you know about a couple of things. First up, Kickstart 2022 is coming soon. Uh, February 7th to the 11th, uh, Kickstart is coming, and we are really excited for you guys to be a part of that. Um, so make sure you go to uh, boomerang or bclife.org slash ks and register today. If you haven't registered to do that yet, even if you come to Boomerang, we want to encourage you to register for Kickstart today. That's bclife.org slash ks, or you can go to boomerangchurch.org slash ks uh, if that's easier for you. But uh, guys, thank you for joining us today. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow at 11:30 for Lunch Plus. Bye, guys. I'm a